and welcome to Pep Talk, the Persuasive Evangelism podcast. My name is Christy Mayer and I'm joined by my marvellous co-host Andy Bannister. Hey Andy, how's it going? It's going well, Christy. The sun is shining up here in Scotland. What is not to like? Oh, indeed. And it's same here too. And we're also joined by um, our wonderful guest, David Barry. David, hi. Uh, Good afternoon. Good afternoon to you too. It's not so sunny here in Pitlochry. It's actually quite (laughs) overcast. I'm jealous of you, Andy. I'm sorry to hear that. Well, I'm also, it's also good. It's good to have you on the show, David, because I always feel a fraud saying I'm from Scotland and American <laughs> listeners going, is that a Scottish accent? It, it isn't. But you are genuinely properly Scottish and you're in a beautiful part of the world. You're based in, in Pitlochry. And for, for non sort of Scots who are not familiar, roughly where is that in this, uh, this great Geographically country? bang in the centre of Scotland. Uh, I think, if memory serves me right, only about... I don't know, half a mile from where I'm sitting is the centre of Scotland. But I, I was I was brought up in God's country in Glasgow, so I'm a Glaswegian. My accent is getting very uh, civilised because I've been away from Glasgow for 20 years. I wouldn't dare say anything uh, following that because I'll just get in trouble. Silence is golden, Andy. <laughs> um, David, welcome to the show. You are a um, you're the pastor of Pat Lockery Baptist Church, aren't you? Yes, Pitlockery. Wonderful. You know, my surname Mare is actually Scottish. I'm betraying my own adopted roots here. I'm so sorry. Um, and you have a wonderful bio. And I was just going through this and we we're chatting about it and before we started a recording. And you were the chaplain for uh, Sterling Albion FC, weren't you? I was, yes, from 2001 to maybe about... 2010 and then after a couple of years of coming away from football chaplaincy I've been the chaplain with the mighty St Johnston football club who are based in Perth in Perthshire. And I hear they're in the Premier League aren't they? They are you know um, six years ago was it five years ago time flies by they they won the Scottish Cup and it was wonderful being involved in the club during all of that because they're a a relatively small club uh, and a small uh, a town city in Scotland so it's it's great to be involved in that side of ministry. Amazing you know we'd love to hear more about that how did you I mean your background you've got a lot um, of experience in mission and evangelism you've got a master's in um, using church community as a, as a welcoming place but we'd love to hear more about your experience as a chaplain how did you what did that look like for you going in there as a pastor and how did you go about connecting football with the gospel? I was youth pastor at Stirling Baptist uh, and I received a, a phone call, a message into the office that said someone from Manchester United is trying to get a hold of you. Whoa. So I had all these delusions of grandeur and eventually phoned and it was a guy called John Boyers who was a director of organisation called SCORE that uh, had opened up Stirling Albion. Uh, they were looking for a chaplain. It was a new manager. and manager was very community-orientated. And so I met with John Boyers in the car park of the football clubs uh, at the stadium, at the football club. He, over one hour in his car, described to me what it was to be a chaplain in football. We went in to meet Ray Stewart, who was a Scottish international and one of the member of the very uh, famous West Ham team. And from that moment onwards, I became the chaplain. And really... But for three months, I every Tuesday night, every Thursday night, because they were part-time team, I would stand at training. I would get introduced to the players. Uh, I was told, wear your suit on match day and go into the boardroom. Just treat this place as if it's your own. And that, that was wonderful. It was great advice from the, the manager, Ray Stewart. Just come in, 
will be seen, be about, and then when it, the time is right, we'll get you with your football boots on and we'll come and you can join in the training. And I did that ever since. I did that with the apprentices. I did it with the players. Obviously, they get to a certain point in the training where I just can't keep up technically or physically, but I would be there being a ball boy. But it was about rubbing the shoulders with the players, getting to know them behind the scenes, more often than not, away from the club, getting to know their families. And... Uh, being there, just being part of the team. You know, it's like being part of the, the dressing room, but you're not really part of the dressing room because it does go too far and you have to remind yourself, I'm a representative of Jesus here. I need to step back. So that's roughly how it, it came about and uh, roughly how it goes, I guess. Hmm. I, I think what fascinates me about that, about that story there, David, is I think there's a lesson, isn't there, for Christians in general, that I think sometimes... You know, we're not looking for those points where we can find those points of connection, whether it's the, in your case, the football club or it's, you know, getting involved ourselves in a sporting activity or some or something in the community. Because I love that phrase you talked about rubbing shoulders with people. I wonder whether, you know, evangelism gets easier, the more the more shoulders we can learn to rub with our friends and our neighbours who don't who don't know Christ is is one of the problems as Christians. Sometimes we we're too eat, we're too quick to yeah. sort of get involved in church activities and not quick enough to get involved in community stuff where we'll actually meet more people we can share Christ with. It's just doing life with people. Uh, it's, uh, it sounds simple. It should be simple. And I know in our church activities, we've got a lot going and uh, it's resource hungry. I often have referred to our Sundays and we are just a small, you know, 120 worshipping adults, small church in, in, in a wee village in the centre of Scotland. But to run a Sunday is resource hungry. And I've all often called Sunday a big monster. And it just it's a monster that is important, but boy, it exhausts. And to be in community with people over a long period of time where they can see you warts and all, that hopefully you're consistent, is, is vital. Uh, they can see what you're like under pressure. They can see how you work with your money and treat people and talk to people, all of those sorts of things. Uh, I, I found that the, the most the strangest time in, in, in football in particular, I, I would be on a number of occasions I'm in a dressing room and there's just a wee lull in the conversation. And, and football dressing rooms are much like dressing rooms when you were a, a changing rooms when you're a boy at school. If you show any weakness, people pounce on you and, and you become the butt of the jokes. And it can be quite a tense place at times. Uh, and I can remember a number of occasions where the, just the conversation died and it's quiet. And then a player would, would say, so Rev, I know nothing about Christianity. Tell me about it. Now, at that point, as a chaplain, I'm allowed to to answer the question. I don't go in there to say, you know, whenever a player's injured, I wouldn't go up and say, let me pray for you. I wouldn't do that because, you know, if they, if they give me the permission, so be it. That's the way the manager and the chairman understand my role. And, and it's at those moments you need to be on your toes, on your twinkle toes, sitting there. Um, I remember sitting again in fourth bank at Stirling and a player who was injured and I'm watching the game with him. And it was at halftime and he turned around as soon as halftime happened and he goes, Rev, what are you preaching on in church tomorrow? <laughs> and I'm like, what? where did that come from? Again, using every moment, being ready to, to give an account of the hope that lies in your heart. Uh, I, I find that, and that's only because you're consistently there through the times when you feel like a lemon to the times where you just run off your feet. 
<laughs> That's what a wonderful opportunity that, that God gave you there, um, David. That's incredible. I mean, sport uh, is a big part of many of our lives, isn't it? And just thinking that now at the moment, um, at the time of recording, we're in the middle of COVID-19. We've gone into lockdown and for many sporters being withdrawn from our day-to-day activities, and that's going to have a really big impact uh, on many mm. of us. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you think it, it might look like to continue on, to continue kind of rubbing shoulders with people in a time now when sport has been, taking, t- has been taken away? How do we yeah. carry on with those relationships and making the most of those opportunities? Well, there's so many things come to mind. Initially, I, I was speaking to our chief executive uh, this morning at St. Johnson, um, and she was just making sure that I was willing and ready to to speak to staff at the football club because a lot of footballers, they're used to routine, 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 routine. They see their families at a certain time, and then they come into a football club, and they're generally quite pampered. They're great guys, but you know that they have their breakfast ready for them. They have everything washed, uh, multiple changes of clothes during the day for training, lunch, all of that. Now they're back home with their families on lockdown, and a lot of them are not ready for that. And and so, uh, f- f- my role, I'm available as I I do often through text and, th- and through the phone, just offering some basic encouragement and things that we would say in the church quite often but but you know guys wouldn't talk to each other certainly in a football club uh, the same way so I'm able to offer that but when it comes to the wider uh, scene our, our church so all of our services now all of our contact is is maybe not physical but we are contacting with people online and so uh, we in Pitlockery have have chosen, even though we have got our system of pastoral care, we're, we're got home group and small group leaders constantly connecting with those people in their group. We've got pastoral visitors with a list where they're, they're phoning up the elderly and the infirm. We're looking after each other as we know how to do it. We've done this for a long time and we've got that system in place and we generally do care for one another. But we've chosen not to sit in that good system that works for us. And there's about 25 to uh, to 30 of our church who are able, who are not working, who who are now joined uh, what is called, uh, what is it called? The Atho Area Community Volunteers. So there's a couple of hubs in Pitlochry. They've pulled their resources. They've got a good system in place, good protocols. And and we as a church are saying, we want to be involved in that. We, We want to care and we want to be out there and, and, and serving our community. And I was thinking about this earlier on. They, they ask a whole series of questions of what you can bring. Can you speak a foreign language? That would be handy. But then they say, do you want to do light duties like garden light duties? Do you want to befriend people on the phone? Do you want to do a bit of administration for the setup? And then there was a little box that you could tick. It says other. And then you could type in other things that you could bring. And I, I, I felt compelled to type in prayer. Mm-hmm. counselling and I ain't no counsellor to be honest but but counselling and then I put in funerals and in bracket I put in I'm sorry to be morbid but let's be honest and I put a few dots after that so there's there's ways in which we have chosen to connect all the more with our community um, and, and may this be one of the ways in which we can do it so that we can become even more churches out in the margins more often than not in our communities. It's been our desire to bring ourselves from the margins closer into some of the centres 
Uh, most recently, our high school was under threat from closure. So as a church, we get right behind it. Um, we, we did everything we possibly could to say we support our local high school. We believe Palak should have one. And, uh, and, and that was noted by our community. Uh, so we, and this is one other way in which we desire to just come in closer into the heart of the, the hearts of the community in Pilocra. Hmm. I love you know the kind of principles there, David, of, of you know looking for every opportunity. Whereas Christians, where you can you know wade in and get involved in the in some of the stuff that's going on uh, around about. Particularly, I think we were talking before we pressed record on the on the podcast here that I think you know given the kind of COVID nineteen situation we're in right now i think a lot of churches have sort of and i understand why sort of defaulted into let's just take our regular sunday morning service stick it online and the job is done <laughs> yeah. but i think of course the, the danger is you're, you're looking after your own tribe and i'm not reaching out i you know talking to you has really encouraged me because i think i've for a while been thinking there are so many other opportunities in this moment right now as people are anxious people are looking for help people are looking for ways of connection and i wonder whether as churches we need to be really praying you know lord what are the what are the opportunities that this precise time offers us right here, right now? Because, as you say, for so long we've wanted to be back in the centre of our communities and we've been on the edge. There's an opportunity, I think, if we if we look in the right place to where the Lord is leading, uh, to really get involved here. Yeah, um, we're all going to do it differently. Uh, as a church, we, you know, in your Google Cal or no, your iCal or your Google, you have calendars that are colour coordinated. We've intentionally put. Sunday, our Sunday pod, our Sunday live stream on YouTube, we've intentionally put that in the colour of outreach, not inreach. And we, so again, churches will do it differently, but we have decided to go for 25 minutes, um, 10 minute max talk sermon, it's not a sermon, I guess, but storytelling, whatever it may be, 10 minute worship and top and tail it. Uh, we, we are fortunate that Heartland, our, our local radio s- uh, station, which covers Highland Perthshire, they've decided to take that for next Sunday and they're, they're uh, scheduling that into their broadcast, which is wonderful. So I don't know how many people that will reach, but many more thousands who will ever darken the door of our church on a Sunday. Um, and other things like that, we, we're going to do Jack and Ori, as it were, but do Bible stories. Because we've got toddlers groups, we kind of connect with them. So we we're, we're going online with Zoom and we're going online with YouTube to do things like Jack and Ori and do singing time. And and the response back from our community is yes, please. Um, we will put things on there which are highly um, outreach orientated and we'll share the gospel, et cetera, et cetera. But we also want to just, you know, it hurts when our community hurts. We do want to hurt when our community hurts. And and, and so it's a wonderful story. You, you may know it. Father Damien, I, I refer to this every now and then. He was a, a Catholic priest who had a ministry among lepers and he had no success among the lepers. And then one uh, time he came back from a long uh, weekend of journeying and, and foot and over uh, rivers and, and jungles to a leper colony, came back and he stuck his feet into a pail of hot water and he felt nothing. And the next time he travelled to see the lepers, he stood up and he says, fellow lepers. And from that moment onwards, his ministry exploded. Uh, the success of the gospel was there to be seen. We need to hurt with our communities. We, we need to not hoard. We need to share. We need to show people who we are. We're not perfect. None of us are going to be, you know, doing BBC productions online. Uh, but ni- neither do we want to be without hope. Uh, 
yeah, we want to share that hope. So that's kind of our heart, uh, <laughs> to the best that we can actually share it. Hmm. I love what you were saying there about, um, you know, none of us are going to be perfect, you know, online, it's going to be messy. And at the same time, as you're saying, we have such an amazing opportunity at the moment, um, using technology and harnessing the the goodness of, of God's gift and connecting with people um, in local communities and, and elsewhere. I mean, you gave a couple of examples there, but what do you think it might look like um, for one of our listeners, you know, for one of us who are listening and thinking, actually, uh, this is great for you, you know, you're, you're a pastor of a church, you're taking care of your flock, uh, you're also reaching out. What does this look like for me? as a as a single mum like with a baby and yeah, you know yeah. I'm, I'm just kind of I'm locked in and locked out and locked down <laughs> yeah uh, look after your baby love that baby. you know uh, listen I, I'm, I'm just David Barry from Arden in Glasgow and, and uh, I'm nothing special I, uh, I but I know what I'm called to and I try and do that to the best of my ability my wife Miranda is is reminding me time after time after time every day uh, about good protocols for when I go out and how often I go out, which is fewer and fewer each day, because I need to look after my family. There's no point in me going out there and trying to save the world and trying to make sure my flock is is all happy and, and contented and safe when my own family don't see me. Um, and I know many people spend themselves for the gospel and, and that is a witness. But, you know, in, in 20 years time, I know for a fact that they'll have to go back and look at old minutes in church uh, uh, files to say, who was this guy called David Barry? But I want my children, my grandchildren to know me and to love me in 20 years time. So I spend myself for my family and, and you know, we've got a routine because we're on lockdown. At, at, at 10 o'clock, we, we'll have as a whole family together, our devotions together. Uh, before that, they're doing the hoovering, they're doing the dusting, <laughs> you know, we're out raking some uh, leaves as well. We're doing this together as family and getting through it. I, I just so happen to be out there. I've got a, you know, I've got a title, I guess. I've got some sort of reputation. I want to be seen in my community. I want to mobilise my, my my church family in that community. But I need to look after my family uh, for, for, first and foremost. I really do. And I'm passionate about that, I guess. That's... Uh... That's really helpful advice in there, David. This has been just a really fascinating conversation. I think one of the things I've I've really enjoyed uh, sort of chatting with you around is that uh, you know sometimes on on pep talk we have people who've written kind of books and you know sort of philo- philosophize, and that's important. We need that in the kingdom of, of God as well. But I also just you're really interested to hear somebody who's a local church pastor, as you say, in a in a small town, relatively small church, having a tremendous kind of impact. I guess my my last kind of question for you, sort of Christy angled it from like sort of somebody who's perhaps not a pastor, but we also have pastors and ministers listening to this. Yeah. And just perhaps a final question to think about, but, you know, sometimes for friends I know who are in pastoral ministry, sometimes it's easy to look around and go, oh, I'm in a tiny church or in the middle of nowhere. You know, what, what impact can we realistically have? It can be quite tough being a minister in a, in a small town church. But I love the fact you've kind of rolled up your sleeves and waded in. Um, what kind of advice would you offer to someone, you know, listening to this who's a pastor like yourself? perhaps feeling a bit disillusioned, um, how would you sort of encourage them to go, come on, you know, there's it, it it amazing opportunities uh, for the gospel, even in unlikely contexts. Use what you've got. I, I mean, I, I'm I'm notorious for seeing something and then wanting to jump in and do it. Uh, what I'm trying to do just now 
is I'm still creative. This morning I was up very early thinking about all sorts of things we could do. I've jotted them down. And now, I, I, well, early this morning, I spent probably two hours uh, texting people and phoning people and saying, what do you think of this idea? And rather than me saying, great, I'm going to go away and do that, I've just asked them to do it. So I'm trying to work with my resources as well. Uh, I mean, we are tiny wee church, but we've got a big heart. Um, we we are fortunate enough that there's such a thing as community in Pitlochry. There really is. We, we know each other. When we go to the co-op, we're all, I, say, I say to Miranda, my wife, I'm away to the co-op for five minutes, she laughs, because you meet people and you do community and you come back 30 minutes later. So I, I guess I, I always just look to see what I have. What have I got? Is there a need there? Can can I serve that need? Sometimes it has to be no. Um, we don't have the resources of big churches. Um, I don't know if I would want the resources of big churches as well, because I would feel burdened that I'd be desperate to use it. I'd probably burn myself out trying to use those resources. So we, for me, it's just what what is out there? What needs to be done? Can I help? If not, who can I help? Get some? Who can I get to to help? Um, so I know someone who's got a small forest. Um, her husband died who, who maintained it last year. It's not been maintained. Um, we are now sending guys in there in the next couple of days before there's a complete lockdown to just manage some of the wood in there to then store it for next winter just in case. And we don't know how much we're going to store, but it won't just be for us. We're going to share it out. That's just one wee example of what resources out there, what possibly could be the need. Let's see if we can do something about it. David, this has been a really, really helpful kind of conversation. Hugely grateful uh, that you've taken uh, the time and uh, just to speak with us. Uh, blessings on all that you're doing there in Pitlockery, especially right now, uh, when I think it's a, a tremendous need out there. And uh, and again, thanks for joining us on the on the show. An absolute pleasure. God bless you. Real good. And uh, Christy, good to have uh, you with us as ever from from London on the uh, co-hosting. And we, uh, for all of you listening at home, uh, we will be back in two weeks' time with another episode of Pep Talk. Thanks for listening.